If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We are continuing to look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words as they were known in Jewish society. And so we come now to the Fifth Commandment. The Fifth Commandment. And it's a familiar one. In fact, I'm sure many parents have looked at their children and they have recited the Fifth Commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long in the land that the Lord thy God has given you. Uh, that, tenth, that Fifth Commandment. Today we're going to be talking about what does that commandment mean? What are, what are the implications of this commandment? Uh, what, how, can we, how can we apply this to our life? Uh, just this week I was reading through uh, Psalm 119. And if anybody knows anything about Psalm 119, it is the longest psalm in our Bible. It's a really long psalm and it's uh, broken up into the Hebrew alphabet. And then each section from the Hebrew alphabet has, uh, has uh, several verses connected to it, nine or ten or so verses connected to it. And the entire psalm is about how the psalmist loves the law of the Lord, loves the statutes of the Lord, loves the word of the Lord. And we read great things in Psalm 119, like how can a young man keep his ways pure by attending to the word of the Lord? And we, we read this, as while I was reading Psalm 119, I was... I was uh, surprised at it afresh. We read that and we think about the entirety of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And certainly we are able to apply it now that way, understanding that's what the psalmist, the heart of what he was saying. But as we kind of drill down into when he wrote this, the psalmist in uh, many psalms, David talks about in many psalms how he loved the law of the Lord. The law. So we're talking about the first five books of the Bible at the time. We're talking about the heart of the law. We're talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're talking about these, uh, these, these books that are tough to read, are hard to read. We're talking about uh, this law that is summarized by these ten words, these ten commandments. And the psalmist says, I love your law, and I meditate on it day and night. It's sweeter than honey. It's finer than gold. I love your law. And not many of us can say that today about God's law. In fact, many of us, we would be, uh, be hard-pressed if someone said, I'll give you a million dollars if you can name the Ten Commandments. How many of you can do that? It's tough for me to do that. To, to name the Ten Commandments and get them in order for a million dollars, that'd be tough. And it'd be even tougher if someone said, name the Ten Commandments in order, and you'll get a million dollars, but if you fail, you get a prison for five years. Man, how many of us would take that bet? We'd be hard-pressed to do that. And this, we've come a long way from David saying, I love your law, and I meditate on it day and night. And so as we look at the Ten Commandments, I want, I want us to love the law. Most of the time when we think about laws in our country, uh, we, we, I love looking at you know, funny, outdated laws that are still on the books. Uh, stuff like uh, you'll, you'll see uh, uh, laws that say something about you, know, you can't bring your camel downtown and drink at this certain time. And you think, when in the world did someone have a camel in that town and who made that law? And you read funny laws like that. There are several in Mississippi that are still on the books. And we read them and we think, man, who's enforcing that law? Why did that law get put into play? We read these funny laws, and then there are other laws that, that you and I may not like. Maybe stubborn laws that we look at and we think, why is this a law? This should not be a law. It's inconvenient. 
Maybe you and I will see speed limit signs and we think, why in the world is this this speed limit? Why is this not 10, 10, uh, 10 degrees higher? Why, why is this limit so frustrating? And, and you and I don't love the law. We kind of put up with the law. And often we, we translate that, uh, that putting up with the law right on the lawgiver. And we say, we say, well, the lawgiver is just an inconvenience. The lawgiver just doesn't want me to go 10 miles faster on this road just is trying to inconvenience my life. And often we can take that same attitude and we can take it to the Ten Commandments. We can view these commandments as restrictions. We can view them almost as a straitjacket that, that is keeping us from experiencing real pleasure. In fact, we have, been, we have been convinced of a lie that God has a pleasure out there that He doesn't want us to experience. That there are pleasures and joys out there that God doesn't want us to experience, and so he limits our joy, he limits our pleasure, he limits our fun, and he doesn't allow us to do them. I'm sure many of our kids may think this when we tell our kids crucial things like, hey, don't go play in the woods by yourself. Don't go play in that road by yourself. Don't go, don't go pick up that snake, right? Well, you don't want me to have any fun. You don't want me to have that joy. No, there's a heart behind that, right? As parents, we know what's best for our children, and we know that what will lead to their ultimate happiness is not playing in the road where there are dangerous cars coming, but instead playing in the yard where it's safe. We know that what will bring our children happiness is not going and picking up the poisonous snake. We know that what is better for them is that they follow the rules and they stay in bounds and they experience the joy that is set before us. And so the Ten Commandments here are not restrictions, they're not straitjackets, but instead they are, they are a pattern that leads to human flourishing, that lead to ultimate joy, that lead to safety. As we read this fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, we want to talk about what does this mean. It's pretty simple. Black and white, we see that God commanded the Israelites to give honor to their fathers and mothers. In fact, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it reminds us of the importance of honoring our fathers and our mothers. So the question we want to ask today is why? Why does God command us to honor our parents? Why does God command us to honor this authority over us? And I have three reasons today why we ought to honor our fathers and mothers. The first reason we will see is that our ability to keep this command reflects on our devotion to God. Our ability to keep this command is going to reflect our devotion to God. What does he say? He says, honor your father and your mother. Honor them. What does the word honor mean? That idea of honor, the, uh, the, the ancient Near Eastern, the Hebrew idea of honor literally means weight. To give it its proper weight. To give it its proper due. And here, uh, Moses is telling the people, God is telling the people that we ought to give our parents their proper due. And it's not necessarily the individuals, but it's the institution that he's saying here. The institution of mother and father, it comes with honor. It comes with weight. What we see is this very commandment, it underlies something greater, a greater truth. That first truth is that this authority and all authority comes from God. That every authority that you and I are placed under is a derived authority. Now, what does that mean, a derived authority? It means that it comes from a source. 
that nobody has authority in and of themselves. But authority comes from somewhere. And what we find out through the scriptures is that all authority on heaven and, and on earth, it derives from God, that it comes from God, that no one in all of this world has authority and power unless God has given it to them. That includes our parents. That includes our boss. That includes our politicians. That includes our rulers. All authority, all authority comes from God. And so God is saying here, he is setting up the very first authority. Your first authority in this life was your father and your mother. And he says, honor them, give them weight, give them their proper due. And so how do we honor our parents? How do we honor our fathers and our mothers? Well, we can, we can kind of boil it down into three different areas of honor. The first one is a, a reverence, a reverence, to be, uh, to be reverent toward them. That is to, to honor them, to understand that they are the ones who care for us and give us life. Now, most of us don't realize all the things that our parents do for us until we're older, right? When we become parents. And we start having to realize what it means to walk around the house when your daughter has colic. And you start walking and you think, dang, I've walked to the moon and back by now, right? And we think, hey, I bet, I bet my parents had to do this too. Or we think about we wake up at three because the baby is crying and we say, I do this to my parents. Times when, uh, when, when our children are a little bit younger and they look at us defiantly and they say, no. And we think, I never did that to mom and daddy. Where did he learn that? I didn't do that to my parents. Or maybe we think about the times that our children are sick and they're hurting. We stay up with them. We hold them. We comfort them. We take them to the doctor. We care for them. And we think, you know, mom and daddy did this for me too. We start realizing all the things that our parents do for us, and we, we, we give them reverence because there's something special about being mother and father. There is something special about it, so much so that God institutes this. God is the one who created mother and father. God could have created just mothers. God have, could have created just fathers. God could have made human beings operate in the same way that some animals operate, where the eggs are laid, they're set aside, and they'll hatch, and they'll grow up on their own. But instead, God gives us mothers and fathers. God gives this to us because this is the foundation of how we operate toward one another. Now, I love, as I was reading this, I, I, obviously I'm reading people that are not in our society today, but maybe have a higher view of motherhood and fatherhood than we do today. And one of the theologians I read said that anybody that disobeys his parents is worse than a monster. Is worse than a monster. Because why? Because our parents, they birth us, they care for us, they keep us alive, they feed us, they clothe us, they care for us. The very institution reflects the fact that God is Father, that God is our parent. So we give them reverence. We give them reverence. Not only do we give them reverence, but we give them obedience. Obedience. Now, Typically, we're, we're better at obedience when we're younger, right? And then we all kind of hit that age where we were trying to uh, assert our independence. And that usually came at the expense of our parents' commands. And so I had a bad habit in high school. I didn't do a lot of bad stuff in high school, but I had a bad habit. And that was when I got my car keys. I didn't tell my mama where I was going a lot of the time. I was like, we're bad. I just forgot to call. 
And so I'd do things like I'd tell her, hey, I'm spending the night at so-and-so's house. And then the next morning she'd call so-and-so's dad and he'd say, well, they went to so-and-so's house and spent the night. That's a bad thing to do, apparently. I didn't think about it as a child. I thought, well, this is fine. We just made the decision. His parents said it was okay. And then I wake up the next day and mom can't find me. And she would, she would just call me. Just call me and let me know. And I would say, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And I would break that commandment again. And I'd break that commandment again. And maybe you did something like that. Maybe you, maybe you, uh, maybe you broke that commandment. And, and uh, maybe, maybe every once in a while you were purposely disobedient. I never was, right, when I was a kid. But maybe every once in a while you were purposely disobedient. What we see through the mother and the father, God has called us to obedience, to honor them. Not only just to honor them, but to, to listen to them, to obey them. Because God has given us people that are older than us to protect us. So I think about some of the things that I did as a child. And I remember one particular instance that I really thought I could out, I could out uh, fool my, my father. So we had a we had a nice walk-in pantry when I was a when I was a kid. This was around Y2K, and so you know what my family did? We filled it up with canned goods. We were gonna we were gonna survive Y2K. Now, from our younger ones, they don't know what that is, but the world was gonna end. So we stocked up for it, um, and so we stocked up for it and everything, and we were all ready. And so we had this big pantry, and it turned into kind of a junk room too. It was a pantry in the front, but there was a whole lot of stuff in the back. And one day I was hungry, and so you'd walk in and you'd look around, nothing to eat. You know, all these canned goods from Y2K, lasts us to 2025. I still think my parents are eating off of it. And I'm looking around, there's nothing to eat, but I did find something. One fire. Just one. So I, my dad, I did the right thing. I came to him, I said, can I go shoot this? And he said, where'd you find that? And I said, it's in the pantry. And he said, we don't know how old that is. You're not shooting that. I said, okay. He said, go throw it away. Yes, sir. So I went outside. And we lived in the middle of nowhere, so I went down to the woods, pretty far away. And I got my little match. I lit it. And I didn't know that they make quick fuse firecrackers. <laughs> Did I ever heard of those? I had not heard of those. I thought it was just a typical firecracker that you have a few seconds to throw it. This one, it, either because it was really old and because it was a quick fuse, as soon as I lit that thing, it went off in my hand. Now, luckily, no damage was done to my hand. Thankfully, because I know people have lost fingers for playing with those things. And my ears were ringing. My hand was stinging. Nothing was wrong. And I thought, I'm good. I'm good. So I just got to act natural when I go inside. And so I walk inside. I'm acting natural. And my dad says, what was that? I said, what was what? He said, you went and shot that firecracker, didn't you? No, sir. I did not shoot that firecracker. No. And he looked at me, and he said, do you think I'm an idiot? And by that time, I realized that the jig was up, that you can't shoot off something that big in the middle of nowhere and someone not hear it. To obey your parents, right? All of us have stories like that where we maybe disobeyed. And, uh, and the whole heart of that is that we, we think we know better. We think we know better. And there have been times that, uh, that the degree of that will change, right? That sometimes uh, disobedience doesn't lead us to blowing off our hand, but it could have. That could have been a bigger firecracker. I could have got seriously hurt because I looked at the wisdom of my father and said, I know more. As a 10-year-old, I know more. So God gives us parents to obey because naturally, by way of experience, they know more. And so we are called to obey them. Now, 
We honor them by reverence. Not only do we honor them by obedience, but we honor them by love. We honor them by loving them. God is giving us parents so that we could love them, that we could cherish them. And then how much more true does this become to us as we grow older and our time with our parents becomes less and less? Naturally, God has ordered it that we will not have parents forever. And so as we get older, our love for them grows. As we realize the things that they've done for us, our love for them grows. And so God has called us to love them. Why? Because by loving our parents, we are loving the first authority in our life, and we are set up to love the one who, who through all authority comes through. God ultimately calls us to honor our parents and to reverence them and to obey them and to love him because he wants us to reverence him, to love him, and to obey him. God has given us parents so that we can learn to love and obey him. And we as parents, we are called then in turn to be people that our, that our children can uh, be reverent to, that our, pe- that our children can be obedient to, that our children can love. Many of us, all of us, have parents that we're not, we're not always worthy to be reverenced and obeyed and loved because we all had sinners as parents. I know some of your parents. I don't know all of your parents, but I can guarantee you this, that every one of your parents is a sinner, was a sinner. God doesn't call us to love our parents solely because they were perfect. God calls us to love our parents and to obey our parents and to to honor our parents because he set them above us as parents. It's respect of the authority above us, and it's ultimately a respect of him. So the first reason why we honor our fathers and our mothers is because this command reflects our devotion to God. Do we love God? If we truly love God, then we will obey our parents. We will honor our parents. The second reason why we honor our fathers and mothers is that no society can exist for long that does not keep this commandment. The very foundation of a society rests upon the fact that children obey their parents. This command was so so intense in the Old Testament that if you flip over just one chapter, we read that those children that disobey and their parents are to be taken before the council of Israel and they are to be stoned. Now, that's just a serious command. Why? Because no society can exist where children rebel against parents, where children do not, do not honor old age, do not honor their parents. We live in a society today that does not honor old age, that when people get older, they are placed out of the picture. And we say they have nothing more to offer us. And yet, the Bible reminds us, God reminds us, that every human being from the womb to the tomb has in, intrinsic value. That they have value given to them, not value earned. And that value is they are made in the image of God. And that those that are older, those that are our mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, they have, they have value to us. They have knowledge to give us. They have love to give us. They have obedience to give us. And so any society must, must, in order to flourish, must keep this command. This is how God has ordained the social order. This is how God has created our world. He has created our world that children would be born to parents and that children would honor and love those parents. And we also find out that this is a command with a promise. In fact, Paul tells us this is the first command with a promise. And what is that promise? He says that that promise is that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And we see two different meanings here, right? Think about, think about where the people of Israel are before, uh, while they receive this command. They are at the bottom of Mount Sinai. They have not yet come into the promised land, but they have been promised. All the way back to Abraham, 
God promised him a land, a, a, a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of prosperity. And God tells them, if you keep this command, then your days in that land will be long. In other words, your, your days in the promised land will be long. Now that makes sense to us. That if we obey our parents, we will naturally obey God. And if we obey God, he will bless us and keep us in the land. The problem is, is that um, you and I aren't looking to go live in the Middle East right now. That piece of land over there that was promised to them, it is a little bit different to us. So how does this apply to us? Well, this is where Paul comes along reiterating this command, and he tells us that this command is a general promise to long life. Those who follow this command will live long. Now, we know that's a general promise. It's not an every circumstance thing because we find out that in a fallen world, even good kids die young. Even good kids die young. And even bad kids, sometimes bad kids, live a long time. But if you look at even, even a secular sociologists, they will tell you that there are a few things that you and I can do that will lead to a long life. And most of those involve the basic things that our parents tell us. Honoring our father and mother. Staying away from a rough crowds away from uh, rough things, these, these things that will hurt us, the things that our parents don't want us around, those things, the reason why our parents don't want us around those things is because those things will ultimately lead to shorter lives. And so this general promise is given to us, this promise that if we follow this command, God will bless us. And we know that this is an ultimate promise that those who honor their fathers and mothers and those who truly honor them by honoring the authority over them who honor God as their father, those will be blessed with a long life, not just a life in this life, but in the life in the one to come, an eternal life. The very heart of, uh, of, of receiving an eternal life is trusting in God as our father, as Jesus Christ, through his blood, his death, his burial, his resurrection, trusting in him, we are given a long life, not just life in this world, but life in eternity. So we find this promise finds its fulfillment in Jesus. So the first reason why we obey our parents is because our ability to keep this command reflects our devotion to God. The second reason why we keep this commandment is that no society can exist for long that does not keep this commandment. And the third and final reason why we keep this commandment is because Jesus kept this commandment perfectly as our righteousness and our example. Jesus kept this command perfectly. Have you ever been told to do something by your parents and you thought, I know more about this than you do? You ever thought that? Surely not, right? Surely not. I remember um, when I was in, in, in college, I already started studying the Bible a little bit, and I felt like I already knew more about the Bible than my parents. And I, I probably theologically, intellectually did because I was studying it for a living just like they knew more about their job than I knew. I thought, next time my mama tells me to do something, I'll give her a theological argument. I won't tell her why I ain't got to do that based on the Bible. That didn't work too well. That didn't work too well. There are times in your life when your parents, because they will tell you to do something, and they will tell you, and you will think, what a hypocrite. Or you will think, you don't, know enough, you don't know about that situation. I know more about that situation. You'll think that. You either have thought it, or you will think it. And yet, Jesus, the perfect one who never sinned, obeyed his parents, even though he was perfect and they were not. 
Can you imagine Jesus, the perfect one, being told by his parents to do something, to obey in one area, maybe doing something that Jesus didn't want to do. And Jesus humbled himself and obeyed his parents. We see many examples. We don't hear a lot from Jesus' early life, but the very first example we see is that Jesus goes to Jerusalem and he's where he needs to be. He is in the temple of God. He is about his father's business. And his parents come to him and say, Jesus, we left and we forgot you. Where have you been? Come with us now. Jesus could have stood up and said to his mother and father, no, I need to be in the temple about my father's business. Y'all can go. I'm going to stay right here. He could have defied But instead, Jesus, being a good son, honored his father and his mother, and he went back with them. Even to his last breath, Jesus upon the cross, he looks out and sees his mother suffering. And he looks and he says to his beloved disciple, John, here's your mother, take care of her. Mother, here is your son, take care of him. He cares for his mother even to his last breath. From Mount Sinai, we hear the command, honor your father and your mother. From Mount Calvary, we hear Jesus say, mother, behold your son. Jesus kept this command in every possible way. And he kept this command for a couple of reasons. One, he kept it to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? It means that he kept the command because you and I would not. He kept the command because you and I are born disobeying our parents. Even my sweet little girl who will probably do nothing wrong in this life, I look at her and I tell her not to cry, and what does she do? She cries. And one day, I'm sure, I've been told that one day when she gets a little bit older and I tell her to clean her room, I'm sure one day she's going to look at me and say no. I'm sure she will. No, we don't know. She could be perfect. We'll see. No, she's going to sin, disobey me just like you disobeyed your parents and just like your children disobeyed you but there was one who never disobeyed his parents and he did that so that you could have salvation so that you could keep the law because no one gets to heaven unless they keep this law and Jesus has kept it for you and so we trust in him and we say Jesus thank you for obeying your parents in the best possible way thank you for obeying all authority over you to the best possible way because now that you have done that I can trust in you I can be saved. Your righteousness is now applied to me. So when I get to heaven and I'm asked, did you keep the Ten Commandments? Did you honor your father and your mother perfectly without sin? I can say, this is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus kept it for me. And through his blood, I am washed and cleansed and I am sinless before you now. Not because of my works, but because of the work of Jesus. So here's the question. What does this have to do with us tomorrow morning? We wake up and go to work. What does this have to do with us? We know how this sermon applies to children still living in the home, right? We know how that applies. It's very clear how it applies to our students in here. We are called by God that we should follow and love and obey and respect and honor our mother and our father, even when we disagree with them, even when we don't want to, even if our parents are not doing the best that they could, even when our parents are failing, any, even when our parents are sinners. God has called us to honor them and obey them. We know how that applies to our children. But how does it apply to those who are out of the house, who have aging parents? We are still called to honor them and to obey them and to help them. There's obviously a break there where we, we kind of have to step away and uh, we, we leave our mother and father and we cleave to our spouse and now we are one unit but we still honor to our parents. 
And part of that honor comes from the way that we treat them, the way that we talk to them, the way that we go and visit them. There are several things that we can do that we can honor our parents if our parents are still living. One, we can call them. We can spend time with them. We can say thank you. When was the last time we called our parents and we said thank you? When was the last time that you said, Dad, thank you for working? Thank you for those mornings that you woke up before I did and you went to work. Thank you for those suppers that you missed because you were at work. When was the last time we called our mom and we said, thank you for all those diapers? Thank you for, for all those late nights. Thank you for working and caring for me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for telling me no. When was the last time you told your parents, thank you for telling me no? Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your love. And this way we can honor our parents. But there's more than that because some of us, some of us have had to go through the, the, the difficult experience of losing our parents. And now we cannot say thank you because they are, they, they are in another life. They have stepped into their eternal reward. And so we, we cannot call them on the phone. Many of us wish that we could, but we cannot do that. So how in the world do we honor our father and mother? We no longer have them on this earth. How can we do that? By telling our children, telling our friends, especially if our, if our parents were believers, we can tell them what great believers they were, how they trusted in Jesus, even though they were sinners. What an honor. What a legacy. Moreover, you and I can become mothers and fathers that are worthy of honor. Moreover, God has placed us in a family. Right here, this is our family. I love, there's a story of Jesus where uh, his first miracle, he is at a wedding and they run out of wine. And his mother comes to him and says, Jesus, you've got to help. And Jesus looks at her and says, woman, it's not my time. Elsewhere, Elsewhere, Jesus is working, and his mothers and his brothers, they come to them, they think he's kind of gone mad a little bit. He's doing all these miracles. He's, he's making these claims to be the Messiah. And the people say, your, your brothers and your mothers are looking for you. And Jesus' response are, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? He points around to those who are ministering with him. He says, these are my mothers and my fathers and my brothers and my sisters. What was Jesus doing? Was he dishonoring his parents and his family? No. But he was lifting up his spiritual family and saying, this is the ultimate. This is what families were pointing toward. Your family is pointing to the day that we will gather as one spiritual family in heaven. And we see a foretaste of this right here in this church. So what do we do in this church? We honor our fathers and our mothers. Some of you are not physical fathers and mothers, but you have been in this church and you have served as a father and a mother. And you deserve honor. And we honor you and we lift you up and we thank you because you have served faithfully and you have trusted in Jesus and you have modeled that for us. And so today we honor mothers and fathers. We honor those in our church by going to them, not by trying to get rid of them, not by pushing them in a corner. We honor them. We love them. We can do that in our churches today. And we can do that till Jesus comes back by pointing to the one authority who all authority comes from. Maybe you don't have a, a, a physical mother and father, but you have many spiritual mothers and fathers. And they are worthy of honor. Maybe you don't have a, a, a physical mother and father, but every one of us has bosses and authority over us. And God tells us to honor those authorities. 
So the way that we honor this command, the way that we keep this command first and foremost is it's trusting in Jesus. So the question I want to ask you today is how are you trusting in Jesus? The best way that I know to honor your father and your mother is placing your faith in Jesus by following him in obedience. This is the only way that we are able to keep this command perfectly because the only way that we can keep it perfectly is if Christ's righteousness has been substituted for ours. So this morning, the best way to keep this command is repenting of our sins, trusting in Jesus. And then if we have repented of our sins and we have trusted in Jesus, then we follow him in obedience by working here in the life of the church, by honoring our mothers and our fathers, by caring for them, by lifting them up. Today, by the Holy Spirit working through this text, I I pray that many of you would honor your father and your mother today. Give them a call. Let them know that you love them. Look to someone in our church who is a mother and a father and come to them and give them a hug and say thank you for loving me. Today is the day to honor mothers and fathers, and today is the day to trust in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray this morning that you would bless your word, that you would help us as we, uh, as we read and we study your word. We pray that you would help us to apply these things by trusting in Jesus. And we pray, Father, that not only will we trust in Jesus, but that faith would uh, turn into action as we seek to love one another and to pray for one another. We pray this morning as we open up our invitation that you would uh, move hearts to, uh, to express thanksgiving to one another for, uh, for the mothers and the fathers that you have placed in our life. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.